When is the last time you were really tired? I mean, really tired. I mean, I can think of one time in my life where I've been truly, truly, truly tired. There are times that I say I'm tired. There are times I may be dragging. But the, uh, the week of my mama's funeral, I was tired. Um, she lived three hours away, you know, so... I got the phone call, a very nasty phone call in Chillicothe, which broke my heart to begin with. And then I, I drove three hours to where, to where her house is. And, uh, you know, along the way, I'm on the phone planning out her funeral, planning out, calling the nursing home. She wasn't in a nursing home. She went to a nursing home for church every week. Um, she, uh, she went to do that. And so I, I called that pastor and asked him if he would come and and, and do her sermon, and I got everything else set up, and I talked to the funeral home. I did everything I could do in those three hours, and then my mama, she was a uh, unique individual. Um, you ever seen hoarding buried alive? Um, there are some rooms in her house that were like that, but she had this habit where she would take money, and she would hide it in books. So I had to spend... Two days going through everything in her house looking for money because that's the one instruction she had given me in her life. Now, if I ever die, go through everything because I had money everywhere. There wasn't a dollar in that house. But I spent three days going through that house, you know, putting every, looking through every little nook and cranny, going through everything, sorting things, all this stuff. Got my sister and them here from California for the funeral, put together the funeral, did everything I needed to do there. Got her buried, loaded up stuff from her house that I needed to take home, and drove home. And when we got home, we unloaded the bed from the trailer, and we passed out for 12 hours. We were tired. There is a, there is a fatigue that comes when you deal with hard situations. And in Matthew chapter 11, we are this week finishing up our series, Follow Me. This is the last sermon. Um, and we are in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus offers um, a blessing. Because there in Matthew 11, starting in verse 28, says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you, and we praise you for your blessings. Father, I ask that you would take this time and use it for your glory, Father. Use me as a vessel, and the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for coming to die on the cross for us. We ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. You know, as I look at this, and one of the things over the entire series, how many ever weeks this has been, we have to realize is that the way of Jesus isn't logical. It's not a logical way. You know, prior to this, the text says, I praise you because you've hidden these things from, from the wise and learned and revealed them to infants. 
Yes, Father, because you're was your good pleasure. All the things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the fa- Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal Him. That really doesn't make a whole lot of sense sometimes, does it? The things that Jesus does and the way He tells us to go, they aren't logical. It doesn't make sense. One of the biggest arguments I ever got in with family was over how nonsensical the things that we believe are sometimes. Um... It doesn't make any sense that God would come and walk on this earth and submit himself to a death on a cross. It doesn't make any sense that God could die. It doesn't make any sense that that humans could have that power in that moment. It doesn't make any sense. And the way that God calls us to and the way that Jesus calls us isn't logical. And he even says here that worldly wisdom can't save you, but childlike faith can He said, you know, I I praise you, Father, because you have hidden these things from the wise. Those people who think they know, they don't know. But for those who are children, they know, they understand. Jesus preached freely. Jesus didn't have secret meetings. Jesus never went into a closed room and said, now let me tell you, this is the secret way to heaven. Jesus preached in the synagogue. He preached on the mountainside. He had great crowds. He never hid what he was saying. When we see him there in his trial, when, when all of the people are asking him these questions, he's like, when they arrest him, he says, why are you asking me these things? Did I not preach freely in the temple? Did I not say all these things out loud? I didn't hide these things from you. Jesus preached freely. The outcome of the preaching, though, is due to the character of their audience. The audience who was listening to Jesus took it one of two ways. Either... They were wise and learned. You know, <clears throat> the hardest thing to do, <clears throat> and I can say this because I'm a Baptist, the hardest thing to do is teach an old Baptist that the way we've always done it may not be biblical. Man, Jesus is sitting there saying this stuff, and the Pharisees are going, Nuh-uh, we know this. We have studied this. We understand this. You're not doing this right, Jesus. This cannot be from God. So God leaves those who esteem themselves as wise to live in their wisdom. You can live in your wisdom. But he bestows gifts on those who recognize their ignorance. He talks a lot about the faith of a child. Why the faith of a child? The faith of a child. The child knows that he doesn't know everything. It may not seem like my child thinks that. But children know they don't know everything. Their number one question, especially at the age of three, is what? Why? Why? Well, you know, and I've had long conversations with Shallow, and that's the only word he says. For 25 minutes, why? Well, because, and I would give him a great answer, a scientific answer, and he would go, why? Well, because, and I would, why? Children know they don't understand everything. Children know they don't know everything. Children come to you with a sense of awe and wonder and amazement. And so the things that children get excited about and and are blown away by, we kind of look at and go, oh, you know, when I look for a vacation, I want to do something that's going to make me have fun. 
My kids, they're like, are we going to a hotel? I mean, you know, Shiloh's favorite place to stay is the sun house. It's La Quinta. La Quinta. Because it looks like a sun, right? The little sun. The things like that, they're small. They excite children. Sometimes adults don't get excited by that. Sometimes the adults don't get excited about the small things in life. They don't get excited when, when something little bitty happens. They don't get excited when, 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 when things open up and we go, oh, children do. Man, oh, there's, I, I don't even know what he saw when we were driving to his game yesterday. We're driving down the road just past the child's house. There's a plowed field. Shiloh said, ooh, plants! <laughs> huh? Plants! We learned about those in school, and I'm thinking, there's plants all around us, but he was so excited. There was this excitement that, that was palpable that he couldn't get rid of. We don't get excited about things like that. I mean, if you've been living in West Texas for seven years and move here, you may get excited about plants. But, but otherwise, those things don't really make us go, ooh, and so when Jesus comes and starts to do these things in our lives, we start to, to, to grasp on and say, no, I know better. The video that, that was shown by our brother, man, I'm a tough guy. I used to make people give me money. I used to do these things. And so there's no way I was going to cry. That's not who I am. Man, but then Jesus started to work. Man, when's the last time we felt like that? When he says children understands, because children don't sit there and go, oh, that can't really be true. That can't be true. Man, because, I, you know, children will go, okay. When's the last time you heard a, a child pray for something? Adults pray like this. Father, we really need some rain. And things have been going my way. So if it's your will, would you please send some rain? A child will go, Jesus, I want it to rain, please. Thank you, amen. And they believe and they know and they understand. I mean, I always warn people when Shiloh comes in and says he wants something and it's like something like snow or ice or something like that. I always warn people, okay, y'all, get ready because Shiloh's been asking for snow. Because he doesn't say, God, if it's your will, give me snow. He says, God, I want to see snow. Make it snow. There's no doubt that it's going to happen. And so he'll get mad sometimes. Remember our snow day? Um <laughs> I was like, Shiloh, you just prayed for the wrong spot. <laughs> we drove 15 miles that day, and we played in the snow because it was 15 miles up the road. It was snowing on us. But man, children go, yes, Lord. And they believe, and they follow. And so Jesus says here, you know what? It's all about the belief. It's all about your, the way you look at the world. If you think you know everything, you're in trouble. But... If you'll have the faith of a child and say, yes, Lord, things can change. Because to be clear, that we, and we need to be clear in our world, 
The only way to the Father is the Son. There's no other way. We're not going to get to the Father by following the, the, the fourfold outline of Buddhism. We're not going to get to the Father by doing the five pillars of, of, of Islam. We're not going to get to the Father by doing those things. Jesus says, all things are entrusted to me. I am the way to the Father. The only ones who can know the Father are the ones the Son chooses to reveal him to. Man, he's the only way. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. He's the one who will stand there, and nobody gets to the Father except through him. Acts tells us there's no other name on earth, in heaven, or below the earth, by which we must be saved in the name of Jesus. He is the way, and we have to be clear about that in a world that's trying to tell us and our children and our grandchildren that there are lots of ways to get there. It doesn't really matter. It's all going to the same spot. They all say the same things. You know how many times I've heard that in the past 10 years? It all says the same things. And I know it's been being said for a lot longer than that, but we had this thing now called the Internet. And people will look at stuff and they'll say, well, they're all going to the same spot. No, we're not. That doesn't even make any sense. I can't get on I-70 that goes east and west in North America and come to Lipan, Texas. Not all roads lead to the same spot. You have to be going to certain places. You have to be going there. There is a, a little town, I don't know what the name of it is. I found it one day. Maybe I, I might be the only person who's been there in years. I don't know. It's in the middle of nowhere in Arizona in Utah. It's like in the corner. And it's a little bitty town. And it's an hour and a half to two hours in every direction from anything. There's one road that goes in and one road that goes out. There's only one way to get there. And that's what Jesus says about salvation in heaven. There's one way to get there. You either come through Jesus or you're not going in. There's no way to get through it. There's one gate. There's one way. There's no other way. It's just him. And he even gives the way. He gives an invitation. But he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The invitation to follow Jesus is given to all who recognize their burden. The hard thing living in the Bible Belt is that we have to convince people they need Jesus before they can know Jesus. Because I'm a good person. I don't drink or chew or go with girls who do. I'm good. And there's no way because I'm so good that God would ever send me to hell. It just can't happen. There's no way. I'm too good. I don't do any bad things. I, I, I give what I need to give. I give the charity. I give the people on the side of the road. I, I, I send out good wishes. I do all those things. I'm a good person. And so, and so therefore, I know that I'm going to heaven. Do you realize that most people in America believe their default destination is heaven? They believe that everybody goes to heaven. Doesn't matter who it is. Everybody's going. But the Bible tells us our default destination is not heaven, it's hell. That's where we're going to go if we don't know Jesus. That's the default. That's where we end up. 
But he says here, he gives an invitation to those who recognize their burden. We have a spiritual burden of sin. We walk around with this guilt that sometimes we don't even recognize. I remember being a child before I knew Jesus, before I made that decision. I remember having those feelings of guilt, but not understanding why I was guilty. I've done something wrong, but I don't know why it's wrong. I don't understand the wrongness of it. I just had this feeling that I shouldn't have done it. And then I went to Eagle Mountain Baptist Church. And although I had never been an addict or an alcoholic or in prison, I had an experience that I felt was similar to the man in the video. Because I walked into that church and for the first time I realized the burden of sin that I carried in my life. I realized that what was weighing me down wasn't whether or not a certain girl at school really liked me and it wasn't whether or not I could afford the insurance on my pickup or the gas that I had to put into it. Those things really weren't weighing me down. What was weighing me down was I had this spiritual burden of sin that I could not carry and get rid of on my own. And no matter how many times I said I'm sorry and how many times I tried to do things to cover it up, it just ended up being an apple cinnamon skunk. That's where it was. That's what we did. And in that moment, I heard about this Jesus and I fell in love with this Jesus and the tears came from my eyes and I walked the aisle and I accepted him. Because we try to have all these acts to make ourselves righteous, right? Well, I can make amends for what I did. Sometimes you just can't. Sometimes there's no amends to be made. Sometimes you can't ever make it right again. Remember with the kids here a few weeks back, we had some toothpaste. And I had them squeeze it out. And then I said, put it back in. That's sin. Once it's out, I can't cap it back in. I can't make it look good again. I can kind of plaster over it, but if you ever saw my plaster jobs, you wouldn't, you know, no. I mean, I, I could put sheetrock up, and you're going to see the lines in it when I finish, because I'm not good at that stuff. But Jesus is. Jesus can, can make that, patch that hole, and it looks perfect. You can't even know it was there, because Jesus cleanses us. The invitation here is, come to me, you who are weary and burdened. The burden here isn't, oh, my life is too hard. The burden isn't, my, meals, my, my, my bills are too much. I don't have enough food to, to give to my kids. That's not really the burden. The burden is, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man, and, and I don't know what to do with this. Jesus says, come to me. And I will give you rest. The promise is rest. <laughs> rest has always been important to God. From the very beginning, he, he called for a Sabbath, correct? He said, work six days and rest on the Sabbath. Rest. The problem is, humans, ain't nobody got time for that. Rest. <laughs> Shiloh, stop. <laughs> we don't have time. Oh, no, I've got to do this and I've got to do and I've got to do this, and we keep going, and we keep going. And then one day we look up and we go, I'm too tired. I can't do anything today because I don't have any energy left because you haven't rested. The idea is that man was never made for continual work in any facet of his life. He was never made to work, 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 work. He was made to rest. The promise here isn't lack of work. 
The promise isn't permission to stop. It's encouragement to continue on. Come to me, who you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We gain rest, he says, by receiving a new yoke. But not just any yoke, the yoke of Christ. Because he takes our yoke, our sins, our burdens, our punishment. He pays the price, yet we take his yoke to learn from him. Now, in Bible days, maybe today, I don't know, the way they trained an ox, from what I read, is they would take an old, experienced ox, and they would yoke him together with a new ox. And they would work together. Why? Because the old one would keep him in line, would show him what to do, and would ease the burden of both. Yoking to a humble, gentle ox would calm the new green ox. And due to this training, the young ox would learn to do what the old ox does. Hmm. Come to me, ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Um, huh? Jesus is teaching me to walk how he walked and walk the way that he walked. He, he, he went to the garden. He went to the cross. He went to the grave. How is this burden light? Well, what about following Jesus is light? How does this make any sense? Well, again, Jesus takes our yoke. The things that Jesus did weren't his yoke. The garden wasn't his. The cross wasn't his. The grave wasn't his. Those were ours. That was our yoke. He took the things that, that we were supposed to do. We deserve death on a cross. We deserve to die. We deserve to be buried. That's us. But we take his true yoke, sonship, relationship to God, his power, our new yoke, Jesus replied in, in John, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. That's our work. That's the new yoke to believe, to have faith. Back to the whole child thing, right? We believe. Everybody can believe. Everybody can say, yes, I believe. I believe Jesus. Even there's a man in Scripture who says what? I believe, help my unbelief. You have to believe all the way. If you could just believe a little bit, Jesus will carry you along. What he says, take upon my yoke. Let's walk together. Let's go through this. Because one of the reasons the yoke is light is because it's shared. We all share the yoke. The work of ministry is shared between all of us. It's not one person. It's not me. I'm not the ministry of the church. If I'm the ministry of the church, we are going to die. I'm just being honest. If I'm the ministry of the church, you're putting way too much faith in me. Because the church isn't a me, it's a we. That's the way it has to be. I didn't mean to rhyme. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> Why am I rhyming this morning? Anyway. We learn to follow Jesus and we walk his walk together with him, with each other. It's light. Have you ever moved a big piece of furniture? I don't tell many people this. It's probably a mistake. But I used to work for a moving company. 
So now I'm going to get lots of phone calls one of these days. I did. I used to work for a moving company. I was a team leader for a moving company. And one day, we had to move <coughs> a grand piano to the third floor. Woo! That's tough. That's heavy. And it's amazing how just one set of hands steadying it changes the weight of the object you're holding. It's funny because there are times that Carrie and I will go to move something and, and Carrie isn't the strongest person in the world. And then Shiloh will go, I want to help. And our initial reaction is, no, don't touch it. But then he touches it. And he just puts his hands on it. And immediately the work is lighter because it's shared. That's the amazing thing about the yoke of Jesus, about what he's calling us to, is that some of us are stronger in one area than others. We pick up the slack. Some of us are stronger in this area. Some of us are great prayers. I mean, prayer is our lifeblood. It's what we do. There have been, now this is going to be sexist, but it's mostly been women in my opinion, in my life, that are the great prayers. That sit there and pray all day long. You know, I, I know there's one there's one speaker that came to my graduation at Howard Payne. He was pastor of the largest church in, in South Korea. And supposedly he prayed for everybody in his church by name every day. I don't know how he did that. He had like 30,000 people. He must have never got up. I mean, it's, that's a lot of people. But he was praying continually. Man, some people are great prayers. And for those of us who may not be, they pick up the slack a little bit. Because they're praying over these things. There are people in my life who, when I have a prayer request, they're the first people I call. Pray on this. Because they'll pray. And they'll keep praying. And they'll keep banging on heaven's door until we get some kind of answer. There are some people who are great givers. I, have, I was at a church one time, and we did a spiritual gifts inventory. And one person's gifts showed to be a giver. And everybody looked and went, no. They didn't know what I knew. They didn't know about the gifts that person had given in secret. They didn't know how much that gift truly was their gift because they were always giving. And it was their gifts that made things happen when others couldn't give a gift. The yoke is something that we share, we walk with together. And it's the togetherness and it's the working together that makes it light. Because here, if you learn... One thing over the entire sermon series, it's this. The call to follow Jesus is not a call to walk alone. Man, we so often want to make, it's my faith. It's a private thing, okay? We're, we're saved individually to walk together. And we've lost that dynamic sometimes. We're saved as individuals. I can't get saved for you. But once you're saved, you're supposed to walk alongside me. You're supposed to walk with me. You're supposed to help in the work that God has called us to. The call to follow Jesus isn't a call to walk alone. We're not called to be by ourselves. We're not called to, to never meet together. There are people who, who say all the time, well, I can worship God just as well out in the middle of my field. Yeah, you can but you can't be the church by yourself out in the middle of your field. And you weren't called to be by yourself. You were called to walk 
with each other. Now, there are times when we're called to be by ourselves with God. There are times that he calls us into our prayer closet. He calls us to go with him alone so he can speak with us. But he doesn't call us to stay there. You know, on the Mount of Transfiguration, what happens? Man, the disciples go up there and they're so excited. Woo! Moses is here and Elijah's here and Jesus, you're here. We're going to stay here. Mm. And Jesus said, nope, it's time to go back down. It's time to go back to reality. It's time to go be a part of what the world is down there. We're called to be a part of the church. We're called to walk together and walk with Jesus. We follow Jesus together. Now, that may scare some of you. It may give some of you hope. But to me, it's a hopeful thing because it's not just about me. This church isn't just about me. The kingdom of God isn't just about me. It's about us together doing the work of ministry, doing the things that God has called us to do. Maybe... This morning, you have been burdened unduly by the weight of your sin. Something happens with believers sometimes where we forget that that God washed those sins and we start carrying them. We start holding on to them. I call that our hurt garden. You ever have a hurt garden? A hurt garden is that little patch that we hold close to our heart and we water it. Oh, they hurt me. I'm going to put fertilizer on that and I'm going to water it. And one of these days, it's going to come back to bite them. Well, that's not really what God wants us to do. He wants us to say, and it's gone. Maybe you've been burdened this morning. Maybe you've been burdened because you've been getting held on to your sin again. Now's the time to let it go. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to surrender to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe the sin burden that you're carrying right now is the sin burden you've always carried, and you're ready to let it go, and you want to say, Jesus, cleanse me. Now's the time to do that. It's not hard. You just walk down the aisle, believe in Jesus. We'll go from there. Whatever you're at, wherever you need, give it to him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time, Father. Use it for your glory. Father, make every need known. Father, we thank you. We praise you. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake. Amen. Amen.